and welcome to another Christian Faith Radio Hour shortcast. This is David Campfield, and I'm recording this here in Chicago on Monday, October 2nd, 2023. And I felt a need to do a shortcast because I was online last week and I saw this discussion as to whether or not it's appropriate to refer to Jesus as the only begotten Son of God in verses like John 1.14 where older versions tend to say something like, We beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, Most modern versions, not all, but most tend to say, Glory as of the one and only of the Father, the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. The question is, what is the real meaning of that Greek word? Does it indicate begetting, or is it speaking of Christ as the one and only Son? And I'm not uh, by any means a Greek scholar. I don't know Greek, but it seems like both sides have their, their arguments. It seems like maybe you could go either way. But referring to Jesus as the only begotten Son, it, even, it, it may still be the best way to translate that word, but it is the case that the use of that word has troubled some Christians for a long time. Because if you say he's the only begotten Son, that tends to indicate that you feel he was begotten at a certain point of time rather than being the eternal Son of God, as Orthodox Christians have always believed. But actually, even if we use that word there, only begotten, to describe who Jesus was, it doesn't really cause any problem. You only have to understand it in the context of John chapter 1. Then it becomes very clear. And to be honest, just like John's writings are very simple and yet very profound, I would say also the answer to this question is also very simple and yet very profound. So for the context of John chapter 1, you have to look at the opening verse of the chapter. I'll just read it. A very famous verse, of course. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now first, I do want to say something about this verse in a general way. Because this verse, together with verse 2, These are the only verses in the entire Bible that speak of who God is in himself apart from his relationship with man. There's plenty of verses that talk about who God is in himself, his nature, his attributes, his characteristics. But whenever the other verses speak of God in that way, they always place him in relationship with man. This verse, again, so far as I know, is the only portion of scripture where it doesn't do that. It's simply speaking of God as who he is in himself. And if you know of any other verses or you think there's any other verses like that, let me know. I'd like to know. But I'm not aware of any. And it's very striking that even when the Bible is speaking of God as who he is in himself, apart from his relationship with man, you see in these verses that God has a desire to be expressed. Because how does it describe God? It describes him as the word. Now, how do I express myself? I express myself by my speaking. You know, we all That's how we all express ourselves, to a large extent, by the words that we use. So the fact that God describes himself here as the word indicates, deep in his being, even before anything of creation came into existence, when he was entirely by himself, there was a desire within him that he would be expressed. He was the word. He wanted to come forth and express himself to others. And of course, that's why in the next verse, John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, All things came into being through him. To fulfill that desire, that inherent desire God had within himself to be expressed through his creation and ultimately, of course, through human beings. So these verses really show us something about the nature of God 
and about the nature of his creation. The creation exists because God desires to be expressed. And ultimately, that expression, of course, as I said, is through mankind. When we see that, that should really uplift our view of our existence and why we exist and the meaning of our life. The meaning of our life is to give God a way to express himself through us. And that's what you see, of course, in the whole New Testament, how that's carried out. But you do see that a hint of that here, even in these verses right at the very beginning of the Gospel of John. So now let's come back to this question of what does it mean to say that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God? And for that, I want to just look at the first clause in this verse. In the beginning was the Word. You know, as I say, I express myself, we all express ourselves through our words. But that doesn't happen, in our case, until the words are spoken. If we don't speak the words, they don't exist. So to speak, I beget the words out of my mouth. But this word, at the beginning, there in John 1.1, it simply was. It did not need to be spoken. John 1.1 does not say, in the beginning, God spoke the word. This word didn't need to be spoken because it already was. It already existed. In that sense, this word is unique and very, very different from any other word that has ever existed. So I think you can see where I'm going with this in relation to the only begotten Son, which is just as the word in John 1.1 never needed to be spoken, the Son in John's writings, John 1.14, John 1.18, and elsewhere, the Son never needed to be begotten. He already was the only begotten Son of God. And this can be hard to wrap our heads around because every time we see a child, we know that child had to be begotten at a certain point in time. So just like the word in John 1.1 is unique because it never needed to be spoken, the Son, God's only begotten Son, is unique because he never needed to be begotten. He already was the only begotten Son of God. When we speak of him as the only begotten Son of God, what we're saying is he is the one who comes forth from the Father. He expresses all that the Father is. And so the only begotten Son comes forth from the Father, but there was never a time when he came forth from the Father. He always has been coming forth from the Father. There never was a time when he was not coming forth from the Father. You know, C.S. Lewis has a, a good illustration that applies here. I'm not sure if he uses that in relation to these verses. But he says, if we see a book laying on a table, we assume, we make a mental assumption, somebody must have come around and put the book on the table. But suppose for a moment that there simply never was a time when that book was not on the table, that however far back you wanted to go, even back into eternity, that book was already on the table then clearly there would not be a point when somebody came and put the book on the table. It simply already was there. And in the very same way, the word from eternity past already existed. It never needed to be spoken. The only begotten Son of God already was begotten. He never needed to be begotten. Now, we do need to mention that there is a verse in the New Testament that does speak of Jesus having been begotten. That's in Acts chapter 13, verse 33 where the Apostle Paul is quoting Psalm 2, verse 7, and he applies this to Jesus. And that's the verse that says, You are my son, this day have I begotten you. So there it does speak of Jesus as having been begotten. But that's not in relation to his deity. That is in relation to his humanity in resurrection. In the resurrection, his humanity was begotten 
with his divine nature so that as a man, he was uplifted to become the son of God. But that's in relation to his humanity. From eternity past, he had always been the unique son of God. And I don't want to, to develop that thought too much in this podcast. But just to be clear, that verse, when it, which is speaking about Jesus having been begotten, it's talking about his humanity, not about his deity. So hopefully this brief word will help ones to be clear that when we speak of Jesus as the only begotten Son of God, what we're saying is he is the one who comes forth from God, not that he ever came forth at a particular point in time. So that, yes, we can strongly affirm he is the eternal, ever-existing, unique Son of God. Thank the Lord for that. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in his way for his sake and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.